0: Welcome to the BoJack Backtrack, the show where we go through each episode of your favorite Netflix show. I'm Eliana. And I'm Bez. And it's great to be with you today. So we're going to be talking about episode one of BoJack Horseman today and whoo, what an episode it is, right? Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about here. It's so interesting to see how the show progresses over time and how there's so many cutaway gags in this season and all that stuff. And I just love how different everything is compared yeah. to... Yeah, it's like... It's so cool to notice the differences. I agree. Yeah, I think that's the first thing we should talk about, the cutaway gags. Because there are so many cutaway gags in this episode, and that slowly just fades out as the season goes on. That was something I didn't notice until I was watching a YouTube video uh, by Johnny Two Cellos, I think his name is, where he goes over each season and he talks about how in season one there's so many cutaway gags. I'm like, really? And I watch it like, oh... Really? There are so many cutaway gags. I think they did that because that's a trend that you see in a lot of adult cartoons. Yeah, like Family Guy. That's what he said as well. That oh, does a lot okay. of cutaway gags and like Family Guy and shows like that. So what if they're trying to borrow that? I haven't seen this video, so I'll take your word for it. Obviously. Yeah, take my word for it. <laughs> Eliana, <so. laughs> I'm just kidding. You're okay. Back. The most interesting thing for me is how the show emphasizes later on how BoJack is influenced by his parents that so were all influenced by our past. And there's a lot of things in this in this episode where he's influenced by his mother and father. I don't know if you notice it. Oh yeah, go on. Well, first of all, uh, this is something that goes on throughout the show where Bojack mentions how it's not Ibsen. It's not written by Ibsen. It's not as good as Ibsen. And that's something his mother tells him when she watches Horsing Around when she goes in the live audience. Oh, you're right. Good catch there. Yeah, and then later on, he mentions Ibsen a lot when he's talking about the quality of Horsing Around. But it's a real payoff at the very end of the show because he's putting on a production of Henry Gabler, I think it's called, which is a play by Ibsen. Oh. So that's a big payoff. Huh. Yeah. So it's really cool to see this first remark of it's not Ibsen, Charlie, that, you know, people just like to watch a good show after being punched in the urethra. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. I don't know why. That's no, funny. No, it is funny. And a nice catch in that. I didn't catch all that payoff with episode man. Yeah, and that's not even the best part. The second thing is the thing that he gets from his father. I was rewatching the episode Time's Arrow from season, I think it's season four. Yeah, season four. With his mother's past. And that's when we learned that when Bojack says, I can see the headline now, and he says a really yeah. bad headline, that's something he learned from his father, who did the same thing. Oh okay so it's really funny to me to have all these headline jokes and todd him what newspapers are you reading it's like learn learned <laughs> that from his dad <laughs> and we get that payoff later on okay yeah yeah exactly so you just see all these influences from his parents just already in the show i'm sure they didn't think about where he got those from until later but it's really cool they tied it all together you know yeah no that is really cool And speaking about Bojack and his current influences, there was one line I noticed that really stuck out to me, and that's when Bojack says to Princess Carolyn, I'm writing the book that will make everyone love me again. Yeah! And that's kind of the first appearance of his desperate need for others' approval. Exactly! And later in the same conversation, Princess Carolyn says to Bojack, I don't know how you could expect anyone else to love you when you so clearly hate yourself. And we get such a big payoff on that one line throughout the entire season and the entire show. I was going to say the same thing, where it's the first appearance of his self-loathing and wanting to be loved. Yeah. And that's just his journey through the whole show, like wanting to learn how to love himself. And at first, he's clinging for approval, clinging for other people to show him love. And he kind of has to learn, you have to love yourself first. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I noticed is that we get in this very episode another example of his desperate need for other people's approval because he's watching horsing around and he notices that Sabrina grew up right before our very eyes and he can't have that thought by himself. He has to have Todd affirm the same exact thing. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That's really true. It's like he's saying he needs to have someone else think the same thing he does for it to be valid yeah yeah and for me it's two things right where he has to either have someone approve his thoughts or he has to prove he's better than someone else he's saying to todd you get the joke right Nay, way, jose and todd's like yeah sure and he's like you don't get it yeah like he either has to be better than everyone else or he has to have everyone else approve his thoughts yeah one or the other for him at that point in the show for sure exactly yeah yeah this episode also had a lot of fun little things so i was reading the back of diane's book when they showed her oh yeah i read that too you read that too <laughs> right you read that too i love where it says <laughs> that she lives in la with a dog yeah right <laughs> oh my goodness and all the little newspaper pubs like Newsbeak oh my gosh that's so funny yeah Newspeak and the Today show and yeah. what was it USA Today, like Tony and the New York Times yeah. yeah that's so funny he did the same thing yeah it's so um, funny yeah and I love that's a little bit of foreshadowing too where she said it says that she lives in New York with a dog or lives in LA with a dog excuse me yeah I, I thought that was so funny
1: <laughs> yeah it's
0: like I mean it's true but it's also not yeah new. I wonder if Diana, <laughs> I wonder. it's so funny too because that means it was written really recently because they got engaged really fast like within a year or two of them dating I mean she's so, still living yeah. with her boyfriend even though she's not engaged to him though no, I know like they got engaged really fast I'm saying uh in the, the canonical timeline of the show within like yeah. a year or two of them dating I wonder if this book was published really recently and she was like I don't want to say I'm dating a celebrity yet let's just put a dog yeah Diane would do that I think <laughs> she would do that yeah. Although thinking about it now, it makes me wonder how long they lived together before they got engaged. As yeah, well, yeah, which is something we don't really know. Yeah, we don't really know. But for me, it's implied throughout the show that it was really fast because Mr. Peanut Butter gets married to a woman really quickly. Mm. So I think it was within like a couple of years of them dating. Uh, that That's probably engaged. true. I mean, it would fit with his past dating patterns for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Seeking of Mr. Peanut Butter. The best thing in the episode is the scene in the diner where Bojack and Princess Carolyn are breaking up because it communicates so much with so little time. Okay. And I just love that about it. Do you mind if I go to my little list here of things that communicate? No, please. So first of all, when he talks about the crossover episode joke, it's the way BoJack responds. You know, that's funny every time. It tells us that they know each other. They've done this before. They've gone through this routine a lot of times. And BoJack resents it. Yeah. And you kind of get a feeling of their relationship through just that one little interaction there. And then is Carolyn knows Mr. Peanut Butter, a celebrity. So it's like, oh, I wonder why she knows him. What's her connection there? And we learn later she's an agent. And then the biggest thing it foreshadows is kind of what you were saying earlier about how he has to make it all about him, mm-hmm. where at the end of it, where he's asking Princess Carolyn if she thinks he's fat, he's putting a small problem in the way of the bigger problem of we're breaking up and our relationship is dysfunctional and ugh. Yeah. So it kind of foreshadows that Vojek is just going to keep doing this to people yeah. and that he needs to be the center of attention no matter what, even in the middle of a breakup, which is not about him only. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda yeah, no definitely. Yeah. So for me I love that scene. Like rewatching it, I just couldn't help but love it all the more from when I first saw it because it just communicates so many things. Yeah. I love the reveal especially that we're not sure who she is. We know she's his girlfriend, but we don't know she's also his agent until later. I love the way they revealed that. Yeah, just like <laughs> Princess Carol are just gonna call right after the breakup. Like It just shows so much about her character that she just (laughs) needs to be this workaholic and has pride in putting my professional life aside and my personal life or whatever she says. (laughs) I pride in separating my professional life from my personal life. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. It just shows what kind of character she is, where she just has to keep working. Like she makes herself keep working even after she's gone through a breakup with someone she's been dating on and off for a long time. Yeah. Since I think canonically since like 2003 in the show. So I think the first season came out like 2012. I don't remember. I think we'll have to check exactly when they start dating as we go through the show for sure. But it's definitely a long amount of time. Right? Yeah. So that's insane that Princess Carolica just feels like she has to do that. It's just, it just does so much better. And speaking of that scene, I love when we get the first appearance of Lenny Turtletop in the background there. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was like, oh, it's just a guy <laughs> character because really, this big, big, wig guy, like big producer <laughs> <right>? guy. <laughs> like, that is amazing. I love how the show just does that with little details and makes them just hop into the foreground from time to time. Just yeah, really makes them important. Out. Yeah, it's really great. Another thing I love about that scene is oh, the scene after where they're talking as agent and client is where she drinks catnip tea i saw that too i was gonna say that that's just hilarious <laughs> that's hilarious and yeah. it makes me wonder because often in universes where there's antimorphic cats or something isn't catnip portrayed as a drug but no here it's just like herbal tea okay. <laughs> yeah just like that's here. a little different <laughs> yeah just like here I- i'm just having my morning cat drug no big deal <laughs> Like, yeah okay, i'm just having my it. drugs here i'm a hollywood producer here's my drugs <laughs> oh my i'm a hollywood agent <laughs> i wonder if catnip is for cats like caffeine is for humans oh that's a good question yeah that one yeah. really curious <laughs> I but everyone has alcohol no matter what they are oh no <laughs> everybody drinks no that's a terrible reality especially in bojack the world <laughs> oh my <gosh>. yeah really <laughs> oh, Lord. I love that scene where she has, like, the little cat in her teeth. Like, all the things. And I noticed this episode had a bookend that I'd never noticed before. Oh, Really? Yeah, when Bojack is looking at the Secretariat book written by Diane, he said, Secretariat is kind of my personal hero. hmm mm-hmm. yeah. And no, then the yeah. last line of season one is the random horse saying to Bojack, you're kind of my personal hero. Oh, wow, I didn't notice that. That's a good point. And so it comes full circle there with Bojack seeing his personal hero in season one, episode one, and the last episode, someone saying, you're my personal hero to him. Yeah, and then he's going to be playing his personal hero in season two. Oh, that's true, too. So it really does come full circle. Yeah, all this theme of I want to be a hero, like my hero. I want to be as good as my heroes. Yeah, but I'm just a pathetic guy, but I want to be seen as a hero, kind of like. Yeah, that's kind of why he w- writes the whole memoir in the first place, because he wants to be seen as better than he is. Yeah. It kind of works for a while. It does work for yeah. a while. <laughs> and we'll get into more of that as we go on with the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So one of the things I noticed in season one is a lot more of Bojack is the jackass who has a point. You know, do you know about that trope? Tell me more. Like, the guy who's terrible to everyone, but he kind of has a point. He knows what he's talking about. And I noticed that comes up a lot in season one, but then it just... Totally comes crashing down near the end of it. Oh, okay. Which is like, no, he doesn't have a point. He's just a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, audience, do you not see he's terrible? That's hilarious. And there's a, like in episode one and two. Oh, and we'll get to episode two when we get to it. I don't want to talk about that right now. But in episode one, there's these moments where he has a point. But he's being really rude about it. And then those moments just slowly dissipate as the season goes on. It's like, nope. Okay. He's terrible. Let's talk more about that as we go through the show and try to find those moments as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I definitely think they'll be good to talk about. And there's a lot of moments in this episode of Todd as like the consciousness. Oh, yeah. Like the good side of him, like the angel on his shoulder. Todd is the soft side, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially as they develop Todd as his own independent person, which starts in episode one. I'm not saying that it doesn't. Yeah. As he kind of drifts more from BoJack, that those moments happen less and less and less and less. Okay. It's like he's not the angel on his shoulder. He's an independent human being audience. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of the um, the scene where Todd is trying to convince BoJack to to a party. I mean, it felt like an excuse to have another cutaway gag to me. I didn't think too much of it. Yeah, it kind of is. I kind of like the structure, though, because it's like, oh, is this just this typical lazy guy oh 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 oh, no actually that's true it does subvert that cliche in an interesting way (laughs) and i love how you see the the drug cartel and his rhino later on in the show multiple times you see them so much especially the rhino guy yeah so the rhino guy pops up a lot i don't know about the drug lord but i definitely always shows up in the last episode as one of the Guys in Bojack's play. Oh, I didn't notice that. So I think it's pretty cool. I wonder if Bojack was like, Pan, hey, calling in that favor, guy. Get in my play. <laughs> Come play. Actually, Come that's in my play. probably what happened. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. That is definitely what happened. right I need to see that that's scene hilarious. right now. <laughs> yeah, we need that scene right now. <laughs> but yeah. And also, I think Todd was playing a DS in that scene. Didn't he know he was playing a DS, right? Yeah, I was mean, not just me. I think it was the DSi. Oh, too. really? With the little square? And that what it is? Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I, I think the DSi is the one that has the square. I don't remember. Oh, that's uh, adorable. I have a DS. I don't remember what my DS looks like. <laughs> Look at me, <laughs> Elena. I I know. Nintendo is ashamed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. But one thing that struck me as really interesting in this episode is that there's multiple points that shows that Bojack is really looking back upon his past and upon horsing around as this idolized idea of mm, who he used mm, to be. Yeah. But then we have this line at the end when he talks to Diane. He says, If you throw away most of your adult life on a dumb sitcom, you might as well get a sweet house out of the deal. So it makes me wonder, what does he view the show as really? He views it as this idealized version of himself but he also thinks it's a dumb sitcom yeah so like yeah those are those are two, two things do not compute you know well for me i think they do kind of compute okay at least in my opinion hear me out <laughs> i'm hearing you out so basically how he sees the show as his best time as a human being at least on television okay because on television you can be your best self but he also wasted his youth and was his worst self backstage. Mm. So for me, he watches Horsin' Around so much because that's the guy he wants to be because that's the guy everyone sees him as. Like, hey, aren't you the horse from Horsin' Around? And then at the end, it's like, well, backstage, it wasn't so good. Back in my mind, when I was off stage, I wasted my years on that show, you know? So that's my interpretation. I guess that's true. No, that makes sense to me. Cool. Especially because there are multiple points that show that he wasn't a great guy when he was backstage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They go through that so many times. So many times. I love how they did that. Just kind of slowly peel back the curtain and force it around. Yeah. Yeah. I love the how they did that. I can't wait until we get to later in the first season when he, we get to other scenes with him and Horace in Yes, I am eager and ready. I am very my body is ready. <laughs> is that is that what the kids say these days? <laughs> oh, oh, you. You're, you're in your 20s. You're a kid too. Oh, you're a, Okay. You're almost. You're a kid. I'm a mature deluxe. kid. How's you're that? You're kid deluxe edition. <laughs> <laughs> At least for some people. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh my gosh! So, what do you think of the party scene itself? Overall, I felt it felt like a more of a payoff to that cutaway gag from earlier. Mm. So, I liked seeing Diane. I loved Diane's awkwardness and her whole yes. compliment the host. You have a lovely home. Part. And I love if she does that multiple times in the show. That's she does hilarious. That- Oh, she does do that multiple times, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like, beep boop. I'm, like, it kind of reads as a neurodivergent way of looking at the world. Like, this is the situation you're in, this is the thing you must say, kind of thing. Yeah, you gotta learn how to see the world, you know? And for Diane, she, I am at a party, so I must say, you have a lovely home. Yeah. Well, will to catch up on that later because now that you said it, she definitely does say it later. I just don't remember exactly yeah, when. Yeah, I went I under a, a point, but it's kind of a little spoilery territory. So I'm going to wait for that later. It is later in season one. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to talk about that. We can wait. Yay. I love Diane's introduction. I think it's funny that they introduced that she's dating Mr. Peanut Butter and they already introduced that Bojack does not like Mr. Peanut Butter very much. So yeah, that exactly. was funny. Yeah, and I like how... They show that she's awkward and flawed and weird, and how Bojack was scared that she would be like this perfect person who's just gonna analyze him under the microscope. Like, no, no, that's not Diane. That's not Diane <laughs> that not at Diane. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah, and it shows that Bojack, in a way, he kind of views other people as better than himself. Mm, mm. Because why would you expect a ghostwriter to be this perfect human being? And so right? most people wouldn't, but Bojack does. That would. is true. That is true. I didn't think about that. For me, in that scene, what I think about is when Diane asks, in, asks him, what will make you happy? And he says, what will make me happy is to finish the book. And it's she's like, like, is that all? I can help you with that. Yeah, and then it's like, nope, that's not all. After this, he's going to just keep searching and searching and searching and just keep trying to find ways to be happy. Yeah, and then he does the work out, and he gets disappointed, and life slaps him in the face, and all this stuff happens. Yeah, and then he goes on a bender, and then he comes back. I'm like, well, I guess I better move on with my life. Yeah. And then repeat the cycle. And repeat the cycle, infinitum. That's how Bojack does it. That's how Bojack does it. Yeah, that's that's depressing. So yes, that is how he does it. Any other thoughts you have on the episode? We went through most of the scenes already, so I want to make sure you said everything you wanted to say. Well, the one thing I missed earlier was that in the hospital scene where he asks Princess Carolyn, you have other clients? Oh, yeah. He asks the doctor, you have other patients? It kind of is his first appearance of Bojack's narcissism slash self-centeredness. How he thinks the world revolves around him But, you know, it it doesn't. The world doesn't revolve on it. But everyone else has other obligations. That's very true. Exactly. And it's like the first time it really pops its head, but it's definitely going to be a big factor later on in a very crucial moment. Yeah. It just makes me wonder, did he honestly think that Princess Carolyn was making her money off of his horsing around checks this whole time? (laughs) Like, come on, man. (laughs) I think that's because he sees her as exclusive to him both in terms of being in a relationship with him so why wouldn't she be exclusive to him in terms of being an agent to him that's his thought process it might okay yeah yeah that, no that does make some sense yeah if it, you think guess, about it through that kind of narcissistic lens yeah because he has a very childish way of thinking and looking at the world so i think that's his thought process is that something we're going to discuss more as the season goes on oh yeah i think that's definitely going to come up a lot okay yeah let's look out for that then for sure yeah yeah exactly I think that the reason his thought process is so childish, though, is because he spent most of his adult life acting as a father to kids who are being paid to read lines and act scripts out that are childish and juvenile. And no matter what happens, it all works out in the end. So he learned a lesson that do whatever you want, it'll work out. To kind of cushion the world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you work on something like that for so long, it's going to make you think that, hey... If I just apply this thought process to the real world, everything will be fine. Except that's not how the real world works. Yeah, I think they said it was nine seasons. Yeah, nine seasons. So that's that's a as long many seasons time. as My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. Oh wow, that's true. <laughs> I wonder, how many years did that run? Uh, eight. Uh, they're both ho- they're both shows about horses too. They're that's both funny. a horse show. <laughs> Very different, horse different shows. horse shows, so but really still funny. horse shows. <laughs> anyway (laughs) Uh, i think that's a very valid point that he clings to this kind of his horse and around persona slash way of looking at the world to solve his problems and be himself quote unquote be this version of himself. and he's so rich that there's no real reason for him to give up that mindset as we'll see in the episode about the muffins which is coming up yeah yeah about that here yeah no one can really stop him because he just cushions his problems with wealth and then he just keeps doing what he's doing yeah i know exactly also when you see the episode of muffins are you talking about the one with the muffins in the grocery store or the one with the prickly muffins grocery store oh we'll get to that one yeah we're we're gonna gonna get to that that's gonna be we'll get to that later all right everyone this is the bojack backtrack episode one season one thanks for listening in i'm eliana and i'm bez i exist and have a lovely rest of your day Yay! see you next episode we talk about episode two of BoJack Horseman. Yay! Bye for now. Bye for now.